0: So this is uh, part two of our prayer series, uh, part two of our six-part prayer series. Uh, I'm so excited about this series. Now, this series actually is going to culminate in our Good Friday service, and uh, what we've done is we've, we've provided this little prayer book here. Now, this booklet uh, basically provides you uh, places for sermon notes, weeklies, uh, community group processes, and then there's a 40-day... Um, devotional, 40-day devotional, in which I have identified 40 different kinds of biblical prayer and provided just a short devotional for each one, and there's space for you to just write your... Uh, what I want you to do is just practice writing that kind of prayer in the blank below, and so it's going to broaden your horizons in terms of prayer, and uh, really, really excited. You can actually order this on Amazon.com if you're uh, some remote location, um, Amazon.com. Just put in prayer... Um, grasping the Heart of God, and if you put my name, Benjamin Robinson, it should come right up. It's only four bucks. You can order it Amazon Prime. It should be there in two days. All right. You guys okay? You guys okay? Yeah. yeah. All right. I love it because uh, this, is dis- this is disruption. Yeah. Mm. Disruption is actually a good thing. Yeah. Mm. Whenever God is getting ready to breakthrough through in a particular way. Mm. He starts with the disruption mm. because God can't break through in your life while you're focused on the status quo. Yeah. Mm. He does not break through in the midst of the status quo. Status quo. He always allows a disruption to come to get our attention. Yeah. Now we are living in a moment in which coronavirus has captured the attention of the entire world. Mm. Do you think God is not going to use this opportunity uh-huh. yeah. in which something has the attention of the entire world? Wow. When God has the attention of the entire world, he's going to speak in this moment Amen. and in this time. The only question is, are we going to be listening? Yeah. Or are we going to be too focused on the humdrum of our lives yeah. or our fears, our panics? Um, I have a word for you from the Lord this morning out of the book of James, chapter 5. Book of James, chapter 5. We're going to start with verse 17. James 5, 17 through 18. Remember, we're talking about prayer, and it's extremely poignant that we're talking about prayer at this moment and at this time. James 5, 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Mm. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Mm. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would teach us to pray. Mm. Lord Jesus, as you taught your disciples to pray. Teach us to pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. James begins this passage by saying, Elijah was a man of like nature mm. as ours. The word like nature in the Greek is homoio pathes. Mm. It's a compound term. Homoyo means same. And pathes comes from pathos, which means passion. Mm. He was a man of same passions as us. He had the same kind of passions as us. Mm. Now that word passion or pathos, it has three primary meanings. The first is to suffer. Mm. So the first thing it means is that Elijah was a man of like sufferings as us. Mm. It means the stuff that you suffer with, he suffered with. If he were alive today, he'd be just as concerned about the coronavirus as you and I are. (laughs) He might not be buying up all the toilet paper. By the way, stop that. (laughs) Like, please stop that. Are you expecting? <laughs> you expecting an epidemic of diarrhea? Like, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> thank you. Stop that. <laughs> We're going to start receiving the kingdom first offering in toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> I told all these people here today, bring your own toilet paper because. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Elijah was a man of like sufferings yeah. as us. Like. He suffered the same way we suffer. Yeah. You know, we tend to think of men of God in the Bible and women of God in the Bible as though they're somehow isolated from the type of sufferings that we all go through and from the type of strugglings. Like he's somehow just a holy man and all he does is he's in the glory of God and he can. no, no, no. Yeah. If he stubbed his toe, he probably was tempted to curse because it hurt yeah. so bad, <laughs> you know. He went through the same kind of stuff that we go. He was a man of like sufferings as us. The second meaning of the term is longing. He was a man of like longings as us. He had the same kind of desires and the same kind of longings, the same kind of wants and the same kind of needs. He was a man. He wasn't like, um, you know, somehow so holy that he had no longings. He had had longings like everybody else. And the third meaning of the term is enthusiasm Mm. or enjoyment. Like if he were alive today, he would have enjoyed the same kind of stuff that we enjoy. Like, if you're a gamer, maybe Elijah would have enjoyed, you know, gaming. Like, he would have probably been on the stream with Thank God Gaming, you know. (laughs) Right? He'd be doing his thing. Like, if if you like to play golf, Elijah might have liked to play golf like everybody else. We don't think that way of prophets, but he's a man. And he has the same kind of longings and the same kind of... Sufferings and the same kind of enjoyments and enthusiasms as everybody else. He was a man like everybody else, which is interesting because we tend to think of our suffering, our longing, yeah. and our enthusiasms as things that make us unique. Yeah. Yeah. Like we tend to think like suffering. How often have you ever thought to yourself, nobody understands what I'm going yeah, through? Yeah, yeah, yeah if you only knew what I was going through, you tend to think that you're unique because of your suffering? <laughs> as if nobody else suffers but you? Yeah. Uh, no. In our suffering, we are in us. Yeah. Elijah was a man of like passions as us. Yeah. Like sufferings as us. There is no unique sufferer. The only unique sufferer is Jesus Christ himself because he is the only one who took to himself the sum total of anguish and yeah. drank even the lees of that cup Wow. As, as the poet Denise Levertov said. He's the only one who took all the sufferings of the world, but everyone else, we suffer our own suffering. Yeah. Right, right. And the suffering that you suffer is just like the suffering that other people all over the world are suffering. Now, maybe nobody that you know is going through what you're going through, yeah. but that doesn't make your suffering unique. Yeah. We tend to think that our longings and our needs are what make us unique. Have you ever asked the question, Lord, how come everybody else gets this but me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how come everybody else is married, but I'm single? Mm-hmm. How come everybody else is balling, but I'm broke? <laughs> how come everybody else got a job, but I'm unemployed? Mm. How come everybody else has friends, but I'm isolated and alone? How come everybody else, you tend to think that you're unique because of your needs yeah. and your longings? Mm. Mm, no. In our longings and our needs, yeah. we are in us. Wow. There's nothing unique about our... That is, there's nothing that I experience. There's no sense of lack that I have that makes me any different from anyone else because there's people all over the world that are experiencing the same kind of longings and desires that I'm experiencing. Mm. And then we tend to think that we're unique because of our enthusiasms, because nobody enjoys the things that I enjoy. And we use that even as an excuse to isolate ourselves in those things because nobody gets me and nobody understands me. Nobody gets the stuff that I like. No. There's people all over the world who like the kind of stuff you like. There's people all over the world who struggle with the kind of stuff that you struggle with. There's people all over the world who suffer with the kinds of things that you suffer with. In our suffering, in our longing, and in our likes, we are in us. Yeah, yeah. But what made this man unique? There was definitely something unique about him. There was something that distinguished him. There was a distinction on Elijah that made elders tremble at the gate when he entered the city. Mm. There was a distinction on the life of Elijah that that caused him to become the enemy of kings and the friend of kings that caused the atmosphere of the nation to change because of his presence. There was definitely something unique about Elijah, but it was not his suffering, his longing, or his enthusiasm. Elijah was a man of like passions as us. Next phrase, and he prayed. (laughs) That's what made him unique. That's what made him different. That's what distinguished him. That's what set him apart. The distinction on his life was his prayer. What made him different was his prayer. Let me say something to you that if you want to be distinct, if you want your life to be different, if you want God to set you apart, the only way that there will be any distinction upon your life, the only thing that makes you any different than anyone else is if you pray. And that's why prayerless Christians are just the same as everyone else. That's why nobody can see the glory of Christ in the life of the average believer because the average believer does not spend any time in prayer. Mm. If you don't pray, there will be nothing distinct about your life, nothing different about your life, nothing to set you apart. When people are in your presence, they should feel something different. Mm. When people hear you speak, they should hear something different. When people see the way you walk through a trial, they should see something different. They should see a hope in you that they don't have in themselves. They should see a faith in you that they don't have in themselves Like, like John Wesley When he was on the ship and a storm hit the ship in the middle of the sea and it looked like they were all going to perish at sea and at a certain point a wave smashed against the ship and destroyed the the main mast of the ship and all the Englishmen aboard began screaming but there were some Moravians, some German Moravian believers and they all the way down to the children were perfectly calm and they just began singing hymns. They held hands and in perfect calm they sang hymns. And Wesley couldn't believe that in the midst of this storm, these believers had peace. And he went to one of the pastors, a pastor by the name of Spangenberg. This is in the early 1700s. And he said to the man, how is it that you all have peace in the midst of this storm? And Pastor Spangenberg said, I must ask you a few questions. Do you know Jesus Christ? He said, do you have the witness in you? He says, what does that mean? He said, does the Spirit of God bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God? He said, what does that mean? He said, do you know Jesus Christ? He said, I know that he is the Savior of the world. He said, yes, but has he saved you? He said, I hope that he has saved me. And the pastor said, good day to you, sir, and walked away. Translation, it is the reality of Jesus Christ that anchors us in the midst of the storm. This is why we are not freaking out over the Mm. coronavirus. This Mm. is why everyone else is screaming and we're singing hymns. This is why everyone else is buying out all the toilet paper from the (laughs) stores and we're gathered together to sing and to praise the name of our Jesus because we believe that the name of Jesus is mightier than the name of the coronavirus. And he prayed what made him different Was that he prayed. And he prayed. Now, this is interesting. If you look at it in the Greek, Hmm. the English translation I'm reading from is the New King James Version. It says, and he prayed earnestly. Mm -hmm. He didn't just pray. He prayed earnestly. I think another translation says fervently, which literally can mean passionately. Hmm. And he prayed passionately. Elijah was a man of like passions as us, and he prayed passionately meaning through prayer he moved from one form of passion to another form of passion wow. that is through prayer he overcame earthly passion and wow. discovered wow. heavenly passion yeah. wow. what made him different is that he prayed through his earthly passions until he arrived at his heavenly passions wow. you see a lot of believers talk about their passions and their passion for creativity and their jobs and their vocation and music and singing and and this and that and and, and I'm passionate about this and I'm passionate about that but no passion about Jesus wow. Like when was the last time you felt passion in prayer? Wow. And true. he prayed passion. It's funny. We can be passionate everywhere else. You talk to a believer and say, yeah. I'm just a quiet person. And then you take them to a basketball game or a baseball game. They're <laughs> like, yeah! yeah. You're passionate in the world. You're just yeah. not passionate before the Lord. Wow. Wow. You're so connected to your earthly passions that you are completely disconnected to your spiritual passions. Wow. Now, let me say something to you. There is a spirit on the inside of you that is longing to connect with God in a deeper way. And when that spirit connects with God, spiritual passion is waiting for you there. There's nothing wrong with you. You might say, Well, I just don't experience that. I wish I could. I know you wish you could, but I'm telling you that if you would learn to pray fervently, you will connect yeah. with yeah. your spiritual yeah. passion. Yeah. Yeah. The Spirit of the Lord right. will disconnect you from your earthly passions so that they become overwhelmed by your spiritual passions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a process, yeah. but it's a process facilitated by the Spirit of God. He prayed fervently. He prayed passionately. Now, if you look at that in the Greek, the word prayed fervently or prayed earnestly yeah. is actually the same word twice. Mm-hmm. It's the word prayer repeated twice. Huh. Prosuke, prosukato. Prosuke it means to pray. Prosukato, it's another form of the word to pray. Mm-hmm. And he prayed, prayed. Mm-hmm. It is the repetition that makes it emphatic. That's mm-hmm. good. And he pray-prayed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He didn't just pray. No, that boy prayed. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you, said, you say, did he sing? No, he didn't sing. He sang yeah, that song. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, no, that boy <laughs> sang that song. You know? No, he didn't just pray. He pray prayed. You know what I mean? Yeah. He said, oh, that's cray cray. No, this is pray pray. <laughs> that's good. And matter of fact, that's the name of this sermon, pray, pray. 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 Yeah. You see, some of you have prayed, no. yeah. but then some of you have prayed. Like some of you have oh, prayed. pray prayed. Yeah. See, in a time like this, when the whole nation is stricken, when the whole world is in panic, it's not time to pray. It's time to pray, pray. You know what I'm talking about? Like, if you're scared of the coronavirus, this is not time to whisper. This is time to pray, pray. Now, don't get me wrong. I love quiet time. I love meditation. I wrote a book on scripture meditation. I I believe in having quiet times of reflection before the Lord, but I also believe in having loud times of intercession before the Lord. You need not only quiet time. You need loud time. You need to learn how to lift up your voice before the Lord. And, and you might be watching saying, I don't even really believe, I don't even really know Jesus. I don't really know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Can I say something to you? You can know him. Yeah. You can activate that spirit on the inside of you that is longing to know him since the moment of your birth. Yes. That spirit on the inside of you has longed to connect with God. And you can break into that place simply by praying earnestly. Yeah. You know, I talked to my cousin on the phone uh, a couple of days ago and he was telling me, he said, When I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, he said, I was at the end of my rope and I was at a deep place of depression in my life and by myself in my room, I cried out to the Lord and said, Jesus, if you're real, show me a sign, show me a sign. And he said, I prayed with all of my heart and with all my might, Jesus, show me a sign. And he said, all of a sudden, my body started to tingle. And all of a sudden, the atmosphere changed and I started to weep and cry. And he said, and I started confessing and repenting of my sin. and saying, Jesus, I'm sorry. And he says, science doesn't have a way of explaining that, but Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, that was God. What happened? He didn't just pray. You know, some people just pray and say, Lord, if you're real, Mm -hmm. if you're real, I'm waiting. Mm -hmm. If you're real, Mm -hmm. that dispassionate, disconnected, disoriented, faithless prayer doesn't do anything for you. Wow, wow, but if wow. when you get to that place of desperation, Lord God, Jesus, if you're real, show me who you are. Listen, if you pray earnestly, if you pray passion, yes. if you pray, pray, yes. Yes. he will meet you in that place. Yes. Yes. He will yes. break yes. through yes. this veil of flesh, this... Yes this membrane we call the flesh that yeah. locks us into our earthly preoccupations. Yeah, yeah, you're so yeah. busy worrying about the things you're yeah. longing for and longing for the things you're enjoying and, and, and suffering because you don't have the things that you're longing. You're yeah. all locked up in this earthly yeah, passion. Yeah. But it's time to come to the end of yourself and see Jesus, I need to know who you are. Amen. Yeah. He pray-prayed. Yeah. Yeah. He pray-prayed. He prayed earnestly. Yeah. He prayed Passionately. You know the way most believers pray? It's like getting in a kiddie pool with a with a life vest on. It's like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's like you get in a kiddie pool and you're wearing a, a flotation device. Yeah. Like you're afraid of drowning. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? It's just real shallow. Lord, Jesus. You know what it's saying? And don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. He hears, like wherever you are, He yeah. hears your prayer. Yeah. Yeah. But there's something about like diving into the deeper waters. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, I mean, you might get wet in a kiddie pool, but you're not going to learn to swim there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You might get wet, but you're not going to learn anything that could save your life mm. if you're in an actual disaster at sea when you need to learn how to swim. Mm. The only way to learn how to swim is to get into the deep waters. Wow. He pray-prayed. Yeah. He prayed earnestly. And what did he pray? He prayed earnestly... That it would not rain. Wow. He prayed for a drought? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. For real? Yeah, yeah. I mean, have any of you prayed for a drought? No. no. Like, Lord, there's too much rain in California. (laughs) 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 Would you stop the rain, please? Like, isn't that pretty counterintuitive to pray Mm. for a drought? Right, right. But why is he praying for a drought? He's praying for a drought because he lives in the midst of a culture in which people have forgotten God. Mm. What he's actually praying for is for a moment in which God grabs the attention of the nation. Mm. Sound familiar? Yeah. He's praying for a moment that would pull us out of the status quo. That would open up our awareness that something drastic needs to happen here. Mm -hmm. He knew that if there was any possibility of revival, there must first be disruption. Because nobody starts crying out to God for revival until you start missing something that you long for. Until you get separated from your longings. Mm -hmm. Until you begin to experience suffering. And until you experience a breakdown of your enthusiasms. Until that happens, until something is disrupted in your life, revival never breaks out in the midst of the status quo. Never. Good. He prayed earnestly, passionately, God, stop the rain. Wow. Lord, please stop the rain. Yeah. If you heard Elijah praying that prayer, you'd be like, this is not of God. <laughs> 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> Somebody tell that man, that's not how you're supposed to pray. Yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to pray for the peace of the people that you're with. Yeah. Right, right. He's like, no, no, no. The most peaceful thing I could pray for you is that God would disrupt your life enough to get your attention. Yeah. Wow. So he can save you. Come on. Wow. See, my, my younger brother, Joshua, some of you have heard this story before. He was out living wild. He was not living for the Lord. And I was crying out to God for his life. And I was praying this prayer. God, save him and use his life for your glory. And not just me. My mother was just fasting and praying and weeping for him. Sometimes I'd come home, my mother would just be weeping and weeping and weeping. And I'm like, Mom, what's wrong? I'm thinking we lost a loved one. No, she's interceding for Joshua. Yeah. And I remember one night the Lord woke me up at 1 o'clock in the morning and said, go into your brother's room. I was 20. My brother was 18 at the time. I went into his room and the Lord said, lay hands on his bed. And pray what I tell you to pray. I laid my hands on his bed, and this is the prayer that came to my heart and just came out of me. Lord, give him a stone for a pillow until he submits his life to you. I pray for no sleep on this bed until he surrenders his life to you. Rob him of sleep. Trouble him until he surrenders his life to you. I prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. And When I prayed that prayer, the burden lift off me. I went to bed and I went to back to sleep. Two hours later, about 3 a.m., my brother bursts in my bedroom, wakes me up. Ben, I said, what's up, bro? I got to go to work tomorrow at 7. Can you wake me up at 7? He's like, yeah, no problem. So he goes into his room, closes my door, set my alarm. 7 o'clock, I wake up. I go in his room to open the door to wake him up. He's on the floor. I said, bro, wake up. What are you doing on the floor? I couldn't sleep in that bed. So what do you mean? I tossed and turned and tossed and turned. I couldn't sleep. I had no peace. So finally, I just climbed down on the floor, and I fell fast asleep. Wow. Now, I should have got on the floor and said, Lord, <laughs> give him no sleep on this floor. <laughs> he slept on the floor for three weeks after that wow. wow! until at the end of the third week, we were at a revival, and he came to that revival with bloodshot eyes wow. because he had been smoking out and drinking all night long. But at the end of that revival, he found himself at the altar on his face before the Lord. Wow, amen. And guess what happened that night? He went home and climbed in his bed and fell fast asleep.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Sometimes the best thing God could do for you is yeah. take away your peace. Wow. Sometimes the best thing God could do for you is rob you of the thing that you enjoy the most. But understand that in that moment of disruption, you have a choice. In that moment of disruption, you can disconnect yourself further from God. You can use the disruption as an excuse to separate yourself further from the Lord and you're completely missing the point that in that moment of disruption, God has not abandoned you. He's actually calling you to come closer. He's actually inviting you. He's saying, I'm trying to separate you from the things that are occupying your attention that are distracting and discouraging you so I can draw you close to my heart. I'm calling you to run to me, Mm -hmm. but you're running away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Elijah said, please, Lord. Stop the rain. Don't let it rain. And he prayed so fervently and earnestly, and it says, he prayed that it would not rain, and it did not rain. Isn't that a trip, that a man who has the same longings as us, the same sufferings as us, and the same desires as us, could pray so fervently and effectively that when he prayed that it would not rain, it did not rain? You see, some of us believe that only special believers get answers to their prayer. Some of us believe that only the most spiritual people God hears. Some of us believe that only pastors or elders or leaders or apostles or prophets. Let me tell you something. God hears the prayer of average people. The whole That's point right. of this passage right. is that Elijah was no different from us. Yeah, that when yeah, we stand yeah, yeah, before yeah. God, there's no distinction. Amen. That he makes no he has no respecter of person. He makes no distinction between one person and another person. Yeah. That if you pray, pray, God will hear you. Amen. And if she pray, prays, God will hear yeah, her. Yeah, and if yeah. he pray, prays, I don't care if you're the weakest believer. I don't care if you're not even a believer. If right now where you are, you begin to press into a deeper place of prayer, I'm telling you that the windows of heaven will open and God will hear you. Amen. Amen. Maybe not in the time that you want, but he will hear you. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain. And you can actually read about what happened in 1 Kings 17 and 18, and we actually preached about that. I preached a sermon a few weeks ago called The Fire for the Fog, and I talked about what happened at the end of that three years when Elijah gathered all of Israel on Mount Carmel. God said, now it's time for me to send rain on the earth. It says that he prayed again here in James chapter 5, verse 18, and he prayed again. He prayed that it would not rain and it did not rain for a space of three years and six months. And he prayed again that is the man or woman of God does not tear down anything that he or she does not intend to rebuild. God does not tear down anything that he does not intend to rebuild. He does not open you up unless he intends to sew you up. That's right, right? He doesn't operate unless he sees the end in mind. He's not going to leave you open on the table and bleeding out. If God takes something out of your life, he intends to replace it with something better. Are you hearing me today? That's good. If you're hearing me today, say, write amen in the chat right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 See what I did there? <laughs> and he prayed again. Now watch this. In, in 2 Kings chapter 18, Elijah goes up on the mountain. Or is it 1 Kings? 1 Kings chapter 18. He goes up on the mountain. He calls down fire from heaven. We talked yeah. about that in the fire and the fog. We're not going to get into that. And all the people of Israel, when they saw the fire fall from heaven, they fell on their faces and exclaimed, the Lord, he is God. Yeah. The Lord, he is yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, they yeah. put to death the prophets of Baal. Mm. Now watch what Elijah does. Now that the revival has come. Yeah. Now that mass repentance has come. Now that people's hearts have opened to the Lord. Now that, that the whole community is not just Elijah pray praying. Yeah. Everybody is pray praying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not just Elijah who is experiencing spiritual passion and not just earthly passion. The whole community is now pray. They fell on their faces and they screamed, The Lord, He is God, the Lord, He is God. And Elijah says, Now it's time for me to pray again. And he goes up to a mountain to the top of the mountain by himself, and it says, He put his face between his knees. That is, he got in the fetal position. Yeah. And he cried out, Now, Lord, send the rain. And then he called for his servant said, so go look out over the mountain, tell me what you see. The servant ran to the edge and looked, came back and said, I don't see anything. So he put his face between his knees. He got in the fetal position again, and he cried out to the Lord, said, Lord, send the rain. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows how long that was, probably stretched on for hours. Yeah. Then he said, go back and tell me what you see. And he went back and came back and said, I don't see anything. And then he prayed again, yeah. Lord, send the rain. He says, go back and tell me what you see. And it repeated this seven times. Wow. Yeah. You see, if you're going to pray, pray. It's not just about praying louder. Mm-hmm. You think you pray-prayed because you prayed loud. <laughs> you were real loud, but your faith died in about 30 seconds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord, do it. Oh, God, do it. Oh, Lord. No? Oh, well. Mm-hmm. I tried. I, I, I pray-prayed. It's not about the loudness of your prayer. Yeah. It's not even about the fervence of your prayer. It's a combination of your fervence and intensity and your longevity. Yeah. Praying earnestly requires longevity. How long can your faith last? How long are you able to continue to seek the face of God with all of your heart, mind, and soul? Yeah. Elijah, when it says he prayed again, yeah. it's summarized there in James 5, 18. And he prayed again. Yeah. But it wasn't that quick. He prayed again seven times. Yeah. Seven being the number of perfection. It's a metaphor for as long as it takes. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So how long should I pray? As long as it takes. That's good. Is it done yet? No. Then pray longer. That's wow. And you get up and look at the circumstance. Is it changed? No. Then pray again. And you get up and look at the circumstance. Is it done? No. Then pray again. And finally, on the seventh time, the servant went and looked out over the mountain. And he, said, he came back to Elijah and he said, I see forming over the sea a cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah said... That's it. He saw one small sign. Yeah, that's it. One small sign. That's it. My prayers have worked. You must be able to identify the small signs of impending breakthrough and then begin to declare it is done. Now, this whole passage here in James chapter 5 is actually about the healing of the sick. This whole passage here in James 5, what it's actually about hmm. is how to pray effectively for the sick to be healed. Hmm. He says in verse 13, if you go up a few verses earlier, hmm. is any among you suffering? Let him pray, which wow. is interesting that he had to say that. Yeah. <laughs> right. right? Are you suffering? Um, here's an idea. Uh, pray. pray. <laughs> have, you, have you tried prayer? You tried Netflix, but have you tried prayer, <laughs> right? You bought up all the rice, wow. right? White people are buying all the toilet people. Asians are buying all the rice. And somebody said, why is that black guy buying all that chicken? I said, no, that's a, norm- that's a normal amount of chicken for a black person. <laughs> if you have an Asian, white, and black roommate, you got rice, chicken, and toilet paper for days. You're, you're good, right? That's so racist. I'm sorry. No, it's more of an observation, but anyway. My wife's giving me the face. I'm going to move on. <laughs> what the passage is actually about, he says, is anyone suffering? Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Yeah. Mm. Is anyone happy? Let him sing psalms. Mm. Isn't it interesting that whether you're suffering or whether you're happy, the, the appropriate response is turn to the Lord? Yeah, that's good. Are you suffering? Turn to the Lord. Are you happy? Turn to the Lord. Yeah, that's right. And then it says, is anyone among you sick? And now he gives a much fuller description. The first two were just easy. Just pray. Just just worship. But are you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Mm -hmm. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And listen to this. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. Mm -hmm. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Interesting that he talks about the healing of sickness and forgiveness of sin in the same context. You remember when the two guys tore a hole in the roof and lowered their friend down? Mm-hmm. He was paralyzed, and what did Jesus say? Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. I, I didn't come for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, can I walk, though? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's funny. Like, we're, we're conscious of everything we need other than the forgiveness of sins. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Like, some of you are crying out to God for money. You need to be confessing your sins. Wow. You're crying out to God for a husband or a wife. You need to be confessing and repenting of your sins. You're praying wow. for the wrong thing. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He throws it in there. He says, oh, by the way, if he has sinned, mm. it will be forgiven him, which indicates that at times, yeah. wow. sickness mm. is the result of unconfessed sin. Mm. Mm. Oh, you don't want to hear that. <laughs> Uh-oh. And that often the absence of healing is because of the refusal to repent. Wow. Wow. I heard an evangelist tell a story. He said he got called to the hospital because there was a, a, a man who was not a believer who had actually been to his services and told him to his face, I don't believe in this Jesus of yours, but this man's child took a pair of scissors to one of their eyes oh my gosh. and they were going to be completely blind. And the man called the preacher and said, would you come pray for my son? And he said, I was excited. He said, I went to the hospital and I stood in front of that father. And the dad said, please go pray for my child. He said, I looked at that man and said, get on your face right now. Mm -hmm. He said, what are you talking about? He said, on your face. Mm -hmm. So what do you mean? He said, if you don't confess your sin, he said, oh, you want my Jesus to heal after you spit in his face and said, I don't believe in you. Wow. Wow. Mm -mm, That's not how it works on your face. You need to repent of your sin. And the man fell on his face and started screaming, Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, wow, forgive me. Wow. Jesus, I receive you. Wow. Jesus, I believe in you. And he said, as the man, he heard the man's repentance, faith just filled his heart. Wow. And he walked right over the man into the room, laid hands on the child. And when they took the patch off, the eye was completely whole. Wow. 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 Yeah. And isn't that pretty biblical? Yeah. What's that 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14? What did God say? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven Heaven, and forgive their sin and heal their land. Notice he does not say, if those crazy liberals... (laughs) will humble themselves and pray. Notice he does not say if those hate-filled conservatives will humble themselves and pray. No, no, no. He says, my people. The ones who are apt to look at the world and say the problem is out there. Mm -hmm. God says, no, 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 no. When I was young, I used to ask my dad all the time, can I go do this? He said, no. I said, but all the other kids are doing it. He said, well, the other kids are not my kids. Mm -hmm. You're my son. I don't care what the other kids are doing. You're my child. And my child is not going to do that. That's what the father is saying in this verse. He says, you're my kids. I don't care what the liberals are doing. I don't care what the conservatives are doing. I care what my kids are doing. I don't care about the Democrats and I don't care about the Republicans. I care about my kids. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Stop pointing the finger at everybody else. Uh Humble yourself and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Isn't it interesting that God could send a revival in the land because we repent? Yeah. Mm. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Because we repent of our own sin? Yeah. Isn't it crazy that if we just deal with our own stuff before the Lord and stop pointing the finger at everybody on Facebook yeah, 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 and saying, yeah, this person's wrong yeah, yeah, yeah. and that person's wrong and this person's evil and that person's evil. Instead, go to your prayer classes and say, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the knee of prayer. Yeah. Lord, would you search me yeah. and know my heart? Would you try me yeah. and know my anxieties? Would you see if there's any wicked way within me? Yeah. And would yeah. you lead me in the way of everlasting? Would you create in me a clean heart, O oh God, yeah. and renew a right spirit within me? If yeah. you would cast me not away from your presence and, and take not your Holy Spirit from me? If yeah. you would restore to me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it comes to repentance, it's always all about me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That is the only case yeah. in which it must be all about you. Stop calling out other people's sins on Facebook. If you want to call out anybody's sins, confess your own. When I see a revival of confession on Facebook, that's when I know that revival is coming to the land. Come on, somebody. James says, call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has sinned, he shall be forgiven confess your sins therefore one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed mm. try practicing that stop saying pray for me I'm sick confess a sin and then say pray for me I'm sick try that Oh, I got real quiet in here. Ooh, I don't know. Let me think of a real, you know, easy sin to confess. <laughs> you know, let me, just, let me just think of something small I can confess and say, um, yeah, um, I had, a, I had an inordinate thought yesterday, and I know, I know that wasn't of God, and I just want to confess that. And when was the last time you confessed a real sin? Well, yeah. Confess your sins one to another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. Then it says this the prayers of the righteous man are powerful and effective. I love it in the King James Version. It says, The the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. The effectual, fervent, meaning passionate, fervent, earnest, prayer of a righteous, and what's a righteous person? A person who has simply repented of their sin and been made right by God. Not a person who's never committed any, but a person who has confessed. Availeth much. Confess your sins, therefore, one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person, man or woman, availeth much. The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective but it's passionate prayer. If you want to see God move, you've got to pray, pray. Yeah, that's, right. that's all. you got to pray. doesn't mean you have to have been walking with the Lord for this many years. Yeah. doesn't mean you have to memorize this many scriptures. doesn't mean you have to learn this many worship songs. No, you've got to learn how to pray, pray. Yeah. How to yeah. press past earthly passions yeah. until you connect with your heavenly passions. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And I believe at this hour, we need this word more than ever before. Yeah. I believe yeah, yeah, at this yeah, hour, yeah. we must learn how to pray, pray. Yeah. Why? because instead of running from the coronavirus, I honestly want to run to it. Mm -hmm. I want to find folks who got it and lay my hands on it. That's what I desire. But I know that in order to have that kind of anointing, listen, I believe every believer in Jesus Christ from this day forward needs to pray every day, God, manifest your healing power through me. Give me opportunities to pray for the sick and let them be healed. Release the authority of Jesus. This is the moment for the church to rise up. This is the moment for us to demonstrate that this stuff is real, that Jesus is real, that this is not a religion we're touting. It's the reality of who Jesus is. But it starts with prayer. Man. The prayerless church is powerless. The prayerless church is powerless, yeah. but a yeah. praying church. Yeah. A praying church and a church that pray- not just at the prayer meeting. You know what I love about the fact that we actually can't gather? Because what we tend to do is allow the church to be Christian for us. Yeah. And the extent of our Christianity is participation in the Christian yeah. events yeah. that are scheduled by the church. But when it breaks down and there's no Sunday morning gathering, do you sleep in or are you still worshiping? What I'm challenged by when I read, it, read the book of Revelation, John is on the Isle of Patmos. He is in exile. He is by himself. There's no church community there. But he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. What's the Lord's day? The Lord's day is Sunday. Meaning he woke up Sunday morning and took a shower and shaved and put on his Sunday best. And he said, I might not see anybody, but I know the moment I begin to worship my father, my voice is joined with a body of believers all over this world. It may be invisible to me, but it's visible to God. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And revelation comes to those who are in the spirit on the Lord's day. It doesn't matter where I am. I can be in exile. I can be practicing social distancing. But if I'm in the spirit on the Lord's day, I'm going to hear a voice behind me yeah. saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the yeah. beginning and the end. Hallelujah. Come on, come on. Amen. Yes. Amen. So good. Amen. Yes. Church, it's time to pray. Mm-hmm. It's time for us to pray. Yeah. And with that, bow your heads.